As part of the Southwestern Vermont Chamber of Commerce Business Education Series, we feature Lunch and Learns, where for an hour we invite one of our subject matter experts in any given field that might help a small business speak to and teach many of our, our other small businesses on their various topics. We hope you enjoy the show. To lunch and learn, I do want to bring up Mark from Heritage Family Credit Union, who has gen generously uh, sponsored all the rest of our uh, luncheons for the for the rest of the year. Uh, so with that, we're able to uh, videotape it for our members that couldn't make it, um, and, and obviously some of you that went through the last one that was uh, very helpful uh, for people that couldn't make it day of. But also, uh, we then put it on our website later under this lunch and learn specific topic, so that if people missed it or you guys want to go back and share it, uh, that's available as well. So with the generous uh, generous sponsorship of Heritage Family Credit Union, we're able to do that. So I want to have Mark come up just for a couple minutes and introduce himself um, and just kind of talk a little bit about the, the credit union. All right. Hi, uh, I'm Mark Grossart. I'm with Heritage Family Credit Union. I'm the AVP of Community Development. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity for the credit union to be part of this uh, Lunch and Learn. Um, we're located right down on Pleasant Street, um, right here in Bennington. That's one of our locations. Uh, we also have a new branch that opened up about a year ago up in Manchester. Um, and so, if you're not familiar with the credit union, the credit union philosophy, we're a not-for-profit financial cooperative. That means we're owned by our members, and any uh, money that we make doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't go to pay my salary and for buildings. It goes back to our members in forms of uh, typically higher savings rates and lower loan rates. Um, we do have a couple of promotions going on right now that might be very useful to you if you uh, are considering a solar option for your, uh, for your business. Um, so we are offering a fixed rate of 4.25 for up to four years on a, uh, a home equity loan or a, a business line of credit, um, the, and it's um, going to be um, it's for new money only. So it means if you already have a line of credit, it's not applicable. Um, and we also have another uh, promotion going on. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, that wasn't for the line of credit, that was for the new equipment loan. So if you're looking uh, for a new equipment loan, um, that's for 4.25. Uh, we have a line of credit option available now that's prime, uh, minus 5.5% uh, for up to 12 months uh, for $100,000. Um, and the uh, business line of credit is renewed annually for the first year, up to two years, depending uh, on your situation. And um, the rate would be, uh, after that time, it would be adjustable uh, according to prime. Um, so we also have, um, if you're interested in solar for consumers, we have a special going on, um, you know, for your house. Um, rates are as low as 3% APR for 12 months and then 6.25% after. So uh, it's a great option to get into the solar game. So great, thank you very much. Thanks, Mark, for being part of this. Great. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. So uh, with that, I do want to introduce Danielle and Phil, uh, who are with Grassroots Solar, so I won't waste much time because I know they've got a great presentation uh, for everybody. So thank you guys for uh, volunteering to do this and sharing some information with us today. Well, thank, you. thank you for having us. Thank you, the Heritage Bank, for having us. Um, we appreciate everybody coming out for lunch. Feel free to dive into your sandwiches while, while we're talking. Uh, so what we're going to do is basically uh, give you an idea of how businesses can benefit from solar. Residences can also benefit, but, but our main focus here is you want to um, reduce your costs and, and you know, increase your bottom line. So solar can help you do that. Um, so we're going to run through some of, the, some of the technology that you can use and then show it how it specifically applies to businesses in Vermont. Um, so I am uh, Bill LaVerge, as, as he mentioned. Um, I was a furniture maker for 26 years, uh, got into solar six years ago um, after volunteering at Solar Fest for 20 years. My wife and I finally said, let's go up and put up the solar panels hired a local company, and, and then I said, you know what, we need to tell everybody to do this. And so we had a big party, and they said, you know, you should come work for us. So, so I did, and worked with them for two years, and have been on my own since then. Um, I, I wanted to be able to uh, show people how to go off-grid. Um, I wanted to be nationally certified, and so there were some things that, that, um, that I could see 
see that there were opportunities. Um, so I, um, I got NABCEP certified, which is a national certification for uh, electrical professionals. Uh, that's sort of the certification. There isn't really a, a, a solar certification in Vermont. So if you're looking for an installer, see if they're NABCEP certified. Uh, and we also have some connections with a couple other companies, SunPower and Sonin. Uh, and I'll let Danielle tell you about her. And I'm Danielle LaBerge, I'm Bill's daughter, and um, my background is in environmental studies and ecology and uh, restoration um, in parks. And I sort of changed my focus when uh, my dad started getting into solar and was asking him when I could come work for him. And uh, so I got my NABCEP certification as well. Um, so we're, we're both nationally certified. And um, I, I use actually a lot of the same techniques I used to use for forest surveys for solar evaluations because you have to you know measure the sun either way. Um, and so it's you know it lines up with the missions that I've always cared about, and um, it's a way that I could you know move back to Vermont and um, be in this place that I really love. So um, that's my story and. Um, yeah, we're gonna tell you a little so, bit. About so basically how solar works is the sun beats down on the roof, it creates DC power, we have uh, an inverter that turns it into AC power and that's what you use in your house. Uh, what happens is we're gonna put in a meter that, uh, that is a generation meter. It keeps track of how many kilowatt hours your solar is generating. So you've got your current meter, next to that will be a, a production meter. And what happens is we kind of size the system, we find out how much your, how much electricity your business uses in 12 months, and then we size the system to eliminate all of those kilowatt hours. In the summer, you're going to be generating extra, so it, it feeds into the grid. It's called net metering. So if you use 200 kilowatt hours today and you generate 300, it's going to net those 200 off your bill, and it's going to give you a credit of 100. So then you're building up credits during the summer, you get to use those in the winter. So that, that's how net metering works. It's, you're just building up credits. Um, you can actually have, you know, I, I have a picture uh, in here of the, our solar array. Uh, if Danielle lived in Burlington, I could send them to her meter up there. You get to allocate which meter they go to, as long as it's in the same utility. So that's how, that's how net metering works. Um, and so what we do is we look at rooftop. We just did this one uh, up at the public house. Um, so we evaluate your rooftop. You know, we need to uh, look at what angle it's at. This one has some, some funky angles. Um, but we just do an evaluation of here's the angle, here's the direction it's facing. If we put X amount of solar on it, here's what it'll generate. We have software that says, based on your longitude and latitude, here's what you're going to produce. Um, so we can give you a pretty good report. If your business has a flat roof, there's you know, different ways of doing ballast on there. This is the Hampton Inn up in Manchester. Um, we can also put them on the ground. Um, if, you, if you don't have a good roof or if you've got some, some decent uh, real estate for it, um, this is uh, the Green Mountain Veterinary Hospital in Manchester. Um, so he's got three 15 kilowatt ground mounts to run, run his system there. Um, there's other types of ground mounts. So this is, uh, the, the previous one is a fixed ground mount. What we do is we face it perfectly south and with no shade. Mm -hmm. And then, you wanna talk about that? Yeah, and so the, this is a, a pole-mounted array. So um, it, uh, com compared to the fixed mount, the pole mount uh, can be manually adjusted to tilt vertical or more horizontal depending on the season. So you tilt it vertical for winter snow shedding and then you, and to catch the lower sun and then you tilt it uh, more of a horizontal to catch more of the summer production. And there's a hand crank so one person can do that by themselves. So there's an added cost to, you know, the additional hardware of the pole. Um, but those are great because they uh, have a smaller footprint. They're a little higher off the ground if it's a high snow load area. And you can fit up to 16 panels on one pole. So you, know, you can have you know, uh, as many poles as you need. And then we have the tracker, which uh, these are located at Easter Henry's. So obviously, my dad's 6'4". That is a very tall array. It's, is it 20 feet? 26 feet. 26 feet. So, um, so it's a big piece of equipment. If you have a small area of land and you want the most production possible, 
that is what you should go with as a tracker because they follow the sun and are tilted perfectly perpendicular to the sun all day. Um, they go flat during windstorms, they go vertical during snowstorms, and they actually shimmy a little to not dump all the snow in one spot. It's a Vermont company that makes the tracking equipment, all earth renewables. They're from Barrie, Vermont, and so they know how to deal with snow and you know, New England conditions. And then there are moving parts, so that's in, compared to the other uh, hardware, um, you will have to replace those moving parts. So the moving parts are warranted for 10 years on that. And there's also uh, an opportunity for businesses to put in carports. This is actually the fastest growing sector in the industry right now. Uh, Vermont, uh, I was just up in Montpelier talking to a bunch of legislators. They're starting to put forward some bills that, uh, because of, you've seen all these fields filled with solar panels, They've started to pull back on, on allowing uh, the locations, the different sites that solar can be put in. Uh, one of the things they're, they're defining preferred locations, and that will, you know, it gives you a better incentive if you put it in a preferred location. And they're starting to identify that parking lots and built environments are a preferred location. We've already got it's already a parking lot. If we build a structure on top of it and, and you know generate electricity, then it's, it doesn't do any harm to the, the property. So um, this is going to be a big opportunity for businesses um, in Vermont. We have this thing called snow, <laughs> so so um, you're going to see different carports here than you see in Atlanta. Um, so it, it, here's a picture of uh, what it does. It's kind of a V, and and so it's collecting the snow um, towards the middle, and also water shedding. You want to be able to allow for plows to be able to go through, you know, and clean up so that the snow's not all dumping off. So so there's different considerations, obviously, in Vermont for carports, um, but they're going to start to make these. Uh, uh, one of the preferred ways to do it. So you're gonna, I think you're gonna see a lot of businesses, we're talking to several businesses about putting these in. Um, we'll talk very briefly about, uh, I don't wanna get too mired down into the mechanics of, of all the stuff, but modules, uh, the, the solar panels have obviously gotten more efficient, the prices have come down. Um, so we are sun power dealers, mm -hmm. and, um, and they happen to have, there's a, a layer of copper on the back of the panel. So they, they're the most efficient on the market. Uh, we've got a bunch of literature for you to look at. They're the most efficient on the market. Uh, they're warranted after 25 years. They, they degrade a little bit each year, but after 25 years, they're gonna be operating at 92% of where they started. Most, most others are around 80%. Uh, so, uh, and they also, they do a warranty for, the, for that power that you're gonna produce for the product and also the labor to put it up there. So they're, um, you're starting to see some some pretty, you know, they're, they're designed for a 25-year warranty. They'll last for 40 years. You know, the one thing about solar is once you put it up there, it just keeps working. Mm -hmm. um, we, we can also offer um, the SunPower are, are the premium. These are a little bit under that. It's a little bit better price point. So we get to offer people uh, an option on either one. Uh, Panasonic, um, they have an interesting proprietary uh, I don't know if you can really see it, but they have a white backing on the back of the panel, so the so as the sun comes down through the glass, it's actually bouncing back up through the glass again, so it picks up a little bit of efficiency. So there's some some interesting technology there, um, but you want to just touch on inverters real quickly? Yeah. So um, uh, inverters convert the power produced on the roof from DC to AC that you use in your house, and it used to be that you'd have to have a string would run a whole row, a string inverter, for, there would be one inverter for each row of panels, and um, if one of those panels was shaded, it would drop the production for the entire string, kind of like those old Christmas lights that you have to go find, you know, which one is the one bulb that you have to replace. So. Um, Nowadays, we are using uh, built-in microinverters on the back of the modules, um, and they're called module-level electronics. So every individual panel is its own um, AC has its own AC output. So uh, they can all produce independently of one another. So if one panel is underperforming or shaded, or you know a bird pooped on it or this, the cloud comes and like shades it for you know a couple minutes and go, rolls over the array, you're back up to full production on the rest of the panels a lot quicker. 
Um, and so microinverters help us take more advantage of everything that is up there on the roof. Um, and you also get the benefit of monitoring because all of those devices individually report to, through internet connection to a monitoring system. And then you have access to that so you can see what you're producing and you can also see are all the devices working correctly. So that makes it very easy for troubleshooting. Um, there's one phone call if anything goes wrong and because it's all in, under one under one roof with some power. And so, um, and you can also find out how much you're consuming. So you get a little bit of tracking, uh, some, some, you get some big data on, you know, what's your consumption production, helps you regulate a little bit more, so. So what we do is um, we, we come to a site evaluation, take some measurements, we look at what direction, you know, where the sun is, is there shading, and then we do, uh, we can do pretty quickly do an analysis, um, like I was describing earlier, we have software that says, here's your roof, here's where we can put all the panels, we look for obstructions, if there's vent pipes on the roof, um, any shading from dormers, et cetera, um, and we can give you a pretty quick analysis of, here's what we can produce on your, on your roof. And that takes into account 25 years of weather data for your location, so I have a really good picture of of, you know what it's like in the winter how many hours of sun how much snow load and that's all part of the picture so we know you're going to produce way more in the summer and that is going to make the bulk of your you know average it out for the whole year and now we get down to the money part of it so so we described how net metering works so for every kilowatt hour you generate it knocks a kilowatt hour off of your bill so right now you're paying 16.4 cents for, per kilowatt hour, that's what it's worth. In addition to that, right now, they give you a three cent bonus. <clears throat> so it's a three cent adder. So you're actually getting paid, you're paying 16 cents, they're paying you 19 cents to produce it. That adder's guaranteed for 10 years. It's also July 1st going down to two cents. Next year, it'll go down to one cent. So it used to be six cents, it went to 5.3, then it went to four, went to three. You can see where we're going here. Um, so, so by July 1st, if, you, if you're interested in doing solar, I suggest you figure that out before, before July 1st. All you have to do is sign the paperwork um, by before July 1st, and then you, get, you have 12 months to build your system, and you'll be grandfathered in for, for the three cents as opposed to the two cents. Um, so we're just letting people know that. And the other thing is, there's a um, for whether it's a residence or or a business, there's a 30% federal tax credit, income tax credit. So whatever the price of the system you pay, 30% comes back to you when you file your taxes the following year. Uh, it's an income tax credit, so it has to be <coughs> talk to your accountant uh, about the best ways to work that through. Um, and if you're eligible for that, then, then also businesses in Vermont get a 7.2% uh, state income tax credit. It's, that's based off of the federal tax credits, 24%. Um, so, and right now there's 100% um, under the new tax laws, there's 100% bonus depreciation. So, um, so most residential um, solar returns about a 10% return on your money. You know, if it costs $16,000 to do it, it's gonna produce $1,600 worth of electricity. So you're immediately gonna get a 10% return, which is a pretty good return. For businesses, it's, it's way more than that because you get to depreciate the equipment, you get the state tax credit, the Vermont tax credit, 37% tax credit right away. Um, the, with the tax credits, there, there's a couple things going on. One is they, they have a section 179 deduction, so you can expense it or you can do the bonus depreciation and get the tax credit. So you're gonna to talk to your accountant because you know, they're gonna look at everybody's situation and, and how the income is, is reported on the business. Uh, but there's, there's a great opportunity, I'd say it ends up being closer to 14% return on your money uh, for businesses and you get rid of your, um, your electric bill. In addition to that, Bennington is an opportunity zone. And so one of the, maybe the only great feature of the recent tax bill is is, um, is this uh, ability to, uh, if you're investing in, a, in an opportunity zone, uh, to eliminate capital gains. So if you have some capital gains, you invest in an opportunity zone, uh, and then you, uh, then you hold on to that investment. If you do it for five to seven years, then, then uh, there's a 10 or 15% benefit from doing that. If you hold on to that asset, and of course solar, you're, you're investing for the long term, so you're gonna hold on to it for more than 10 years. 
then you don't have to pay capital gains on that. So it's, uh, it's really compelling. I'm not an accountant, I don't play one on TV, but I can tell you the return is really good. Uh, so, so that's something else to consider because Bennington is an opportunity zone. The town of Bennington or the county of Bennington? Uh, you have to look, they have zones on their okay. maps, so it's actually, um, so this is through um, uh, the, is it rural development yeah. maps? So yeah, I can send you the, a copy of the map. Yeah, so the map is a little bit arbitrary. There are sure. sections of North Bennington and Bennington that gotcha. are part of the Opportunity Zone. Yeah, they have it very specific, and, and there's some places where if you're on the east side of Route 7A, or the west side, you're not in it, but if you're on the east side, there are. Mm -hmm. uh, the parts of Rutland are, um, Montpelier is a few areas in Vermont, uh, Bennington is one of the biggest yeah. ones. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so one of the things that, as you're looking at your business's ability, you know, what, what your expenses are. Well, one of, we figured out one of our expenses was putting gas in our car. Gas, oil, you know, uh, transmission, et cetera. So we got an electric car that we power off of our solar panels. Mm -hmm. So as a business, you can start to look at what your expenses are. So we went with an electric car, we eliminated $250 a month that we spent on that one particular, we figured out what the average was per vehicle. Um, how do you heat your, your space? You know, if you heat with fossil fuels, if you heat with fuel oil, generally the, the equation is whatever you pay in fuel oil, you'll pay a third of that in electricity with heat pumps. And then if you're providing your own electricity, well then you just provided your own heat. So, so we, there's opportunities to where if you move some of your fossil fuel expenses onto the electric side and you're providing your own electricity, then you're eliminating. We are this close to having no fossil fuels on our property. Our solar provides power for our house, our office, our electric car. We got rid of uh, the propane heat in the house and we're just about to get rid of the propane heat in the shop. Um, so now everything will be run off of solar and we, we generate that ourselves. So, so you can really eliminate, you know, you can have a more robust bottom line by, by eliminating all these expenses. And it doesn't really add that much to the solar. I mean, uh, an electric car will add another 3,000 kilowatt hours. It's probably three to six panels. So it doesn't add very much to the size of the system. Um, and then you're pre-buying all of your fuel for 25 years, so. And do your financing for your local credit union, and, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, and you're putting, instead of giving the utility the money, you're giving it to yourself through, through your local credit union. Uh, we'll talk briefly about batteries, because um, a lot of businesses have peak charges, and demand, huge demand charges, and one way that you can eliminate those is, is batteries. So I've got a picture of a few, these are lead acid batteries here on the, on the bottom right. Um, most, and, and this one is like a salt, salt water battery, which is kind of cool technology. Mostly what we're working with right now is lithium ion. So a lot of people have seen the Tesla Powerwall on the left hand side, Green Mountain Power is, has a, a big deal with those. We tend to use um, either Simplify or, or Summon batteries, which are in the center. Um, but, but what they do is they give you an opportunity to, you know, the, generally um, for, for residents, this is sort of your usage curve. You're using the morning, you're using the afternoon. Uh, businesses may not be the exact same, but you can see where, when you're producing solar. Um, so what the battery does is it allows you to even that up, so you can use some of your solar at night. You can program your battery to say, I want to run my building off of my solar at night. <coughs> you know, the sun's not shining, but the battery has been powered by the solar. So, so you can start to do more energy management, um, and one of the things is, is with peak shading. So if we can identify which machines cause you to go over that threshold. And because what happens is you go over that threshold for five minutes and that's your bill for the month, even if you did it once. And so if we can, if we can identify what that is, uh, we can actually program it so that when that machine gets ready to kick on, it's actually draw from the batteries instead of the amount of power. So then you're starting to, so the battery can start to pay for itself. It used to be the batteries would just be, if you lose power, they're back up. Um, now you can actually start to program them uh, to do self-consumption, run, run your house off of the battery at night, or do some, some peak shaving. Right, and also uh, when, if you have a time of use, so there, there are peak and off-peak hours to your bill, um, we are also um, 
able to program the battery for different times of day to charge and discharge. So you can charge when an electricity is 10 cents and discharge the battery when it's 20 cents or 24 cents an hour, I think. So, um, so it can fix that um, difference between your rates during different times of day too. So you can reduce the demand charges, but also, um, you know, buy low, sell high <laughs> with your energy. So here's a, this is a, a sizable battery bank that we did. We took um, part of Emerald Lake State Park off-grid for, for Green Mountain Power. So these are, um, I showed you some of the simplified batteries. Uh, so this, this gives them an opportunity to take one whole section of their grid off the grid. So they still, Green Mountain Power still owns it, it's just not attached to the rest of the grid by the twigs and twine that go through the woods and fall and come down every winter. Um, so, so that's one way we're using batteries. Um, I've got a couple other examples of batteries. Um, this is a Sonnen battery that I pointed out for one customer. Um, they've got their solar, and then this one has uh, some simplified batteries underneath the little bench over here. Uh, that's another residence. Oh, um, so he builds the builds the um, bench to hide the battery. <laughs> yes, exactly. What came first, the bench or the battery? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we also have little portable devices. So this little yellow suitcase is a lithium-ion battery, and um, I, I tested this. Uh, we have an apartment. This is a propane heater that runs on you know, regular household outlet. Um, so when it was 28 below zero, I ran that heater and the refrigerator um, in this apartment off of this one little suitcase. So you can bring this with you. I mean, we bring it out into the field when we have, need a cement mixer out in the middle of nowhere. Um, we had one of our friends needed to shear some sheep and didn't have power out in the barn, so we let them use the uh, little suitcase full of sunshine there. Um, they're pretty cool. They have a little solar panel to charge them if you're out in the field, or you can just plug them into a regular <coughs> outlet. Um, so interesting battery technologies. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll just quickly go through why you should do it. I mean, it's just there every day. All right, maybe not every day. It, it is Vermont. Um, <laughs> but, but you don't have to pay for it. Okay. I saw someone had posted on Facebook, you know, if God had wanted everyone to have free electricity, he would have put a giant fusion reactor up in the sky. <laughs> uh, so it's there, um, and, and once you get those panels up, they just keep working. There are panels that are four years old. Um, I would say solar is really good for everybody who has electricity. You know, I mean, literally, what, it, what will happen is you can see the little icon there that says, you know, with the solar panels. So basically, that's going to say, here's what your, uh, here's what you generated this month. Here's what you used. Um, this was, you know, right now there are certain uh, fees on your bill that are not bypassable. We can't eliminate those. This is, we were we were grandfathered in, so back when you could, you know, have a negative bill. So our bill in the summer is usually minus two hundred seventy-three dollars. Um, but, so anybody who has an electric bill um, really can use it. Uh, we think one of the best reasons to do it is because of the environment. I mean, we're, it's, it's really important that, uh, that we head in a different direction, and so we think that this is a good way to do it. It also adds value to your property. So this was an independent study in, um, in 2015 found that um, if a home has three kilowatts of solar, which is uh, you know, pretty modest system, $100 a month bill, um, then it increased the value of that home on resale uh, by $15,000. And that is, you know, when someone goes to buy a piece of property, they're looking at what are the bills. You know, so this house doesn't have an electric bill. Okay, that's pretty great. And um, so the other portion of that is if you own the system, then it increases the value. If you do a lease, uh, then you do not own those panels. You don't own the holes on the roof. That is the lease company that owns them. And if you go to sell the property, it can slow down a sale and take uh, and you know detract from the value. But uh, but for some an asset that you own. Um, or you know one that you're financing, you know, uh, own or loan, um, uh, it will add value to the home or business that it's part of. And, and so, if your business 
doesn't have an electric bill, then obviously it makes it more desirable. Um, we haven't, you know, real estate appraisers are, are slow to really identifying the value. I mean, this was based on a, a nationwide study. Obviously, it's going to depend on the real estate market and, and all that. Um, but but it's interesting because when you go to buy a business or a home, you look at what are the, what's the principal insurance, the taxes, and what are all the bills. And, yep. and so if you have a place that has no electric bill, then, then it makes it more desirable. And, um, and it'll also sell quicker. We are seeing a lot of um, buyers and potential buyers asking, is this property good for solar? We're seeing a lot of um, folks who are selling, you know, selling their homes quicker if they have solar. So. And I know you're going to have some questions. One of them is always, what about snow? Snow, yeah. <laughs> so we, um, uh, if there is a steep enough pitch on the roof, uh, the snow is going to shed as soon as the sun comes out. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen when it's negative 20 below, but nothing's melting in that case. But if, you know, normal snowstorm, next day there's, you know, sun comes out, it's, you know, 20 degrees um, and the panels are going to sense light, electrons will flow, it warms up that bottom layer of snow and it slides right off. If it's on a flat roof, the snow's, you know, and you get eight inches of snow, it's going to take a while for it to melt. That's right. When we do uh, our projections that we talked about, the software that, that will analyze what you're going to produce, it takes into account how flat is the roof. And so you'll see, we do a month by month projection. It'll say, you know, in July, you're going to produce 2,000 kilowatt hours. In February, 200. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because we know that there's going to be snow and there's no light. And, and, and especially if, you're, if it's a, like a 15 degrees on a flat roof, the sun is really low. So you're not going to be, you're not producing much that time of year anyway. Uh, we know that really when we're going to be gearing into full production is, is in the summer. So, um, solar shingles, people keep asking about them, you know, Tesla's introducing the next greatest model. Um, it's it's uh, expensive, inefficient, it's a shiny new possible toy. Um, there's so many reasons to not do it, we could go into a half hour discussion on that. Um, suffice to say that it's expensive. Uh, they're doing them in California right now as a test study, and they found that if you Put a new if you put solar panels on your roof, or if you replace your roof with shingles, it costs three times more to do the shingles, and it produces less. And then if I put up 20 panels on your house, and one, you know, we, we check our monitoring, we can see that one panel's down, we can go and take that one panel down. If we have 600 shingles on your roof, a I don't know if they're going to identify which shingle is out, and b. I'm not going up there. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you take that off? It's, it's the uh, the maintenance on it just seems fraught. I mean, there's there's 600 opportunities for an electrical failure, and then how do we fix it? So we're not there yet. Uh, one of the one of the things that about solar is it does really well when it's cool. So so anytime you have it up on a roof, it's it's raised up, so there's air circulating underneath it. That's not the case with shingles. Yeah. So another reason why they just, just drops the efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about, so on your bill, these are the line items on your bill, and the ones that are circled are going to be the ones that are non-bypassable fees that you will still pay even with solar. So everything that can be eliminated includes your kilowatt hours, your efficiency charge typically, and your demand charges. Um, we're, so we can eliminate those portions of the bill, but these will always um, be charged to you every month. And uh, so the customer charge is for line maintenance, uh, administration and billing, things like that. Um, the EAP fee, that is for um, offsetting low income discounts. And uh, the power adjustment can be positive or negative. That's actually how they true up um, all the they reconcile quarterly um, all of the storms and and you know maintenance that happened that didn't make it into the rate base um, for the year. So um, so those will be highlighted in green on your bill uh, to indicate that you're paying Green Mountain Power money. <laughs> so um, so they make it very clear uh, in that sense. But a lot of people never looked at these charges before. So. 
There's no, no state rebate. rebate. <laughs> there used to be. Um, as recently, well, when we did ours, up until five years ago, there used to be a state rebate. There's not. There's just the uh, the adder that they give you for, for the kilowatt hours. And then this is just um, this is what's going to happen to the federal income tax credit. Uh, so after this year, it goes down to 26 percent. Then it goes down to 22 percent, uh, and then it will be at 10 percent. So so this year is a really good year to do it. I there is talk of perhaps this Congress could extend that, and and that's an interesting discussion. Uh, we're not sure, but. Um, but we yeah. would love to take any questions you have. Is there any maintenance that, like you said, bird, all I could have heard was bird poop. Like who's oh. up there cleaning it off? That's you know, if you, if you live near, or like right on a dirt road, probably a good idea to hose it down every once in a while, you know, just because you're gonna have dirt on there. Um, you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be some aging of glass, just like there is any glass. Um, nature will clear off a lot of it. Um, there are some, you know, if, uh, you see some huge fields where they have like automatic cleaning devices that go across and clean it uh, because there's such a volume that it's it's worth it for them. You know, they're keeping track of every little uh, every every portion of a kilowatt hour um, in order to make it profitable for their investors. Right. Um, I, I have thought about spraying half of mine just to see what if, if I gain any, you know, for the, that half. Yeah. yeah. We live in such a rainy location that um, typically it wouldn't be worth it for you to go out of your way to clean. Um, in, uh, in like really dry desert environments, they do clean them off because of the dust because it will build mm -hmm. up on the bottom of the frames. But um, but we've we've got such you know precipitation that it is going to clean itself, um, and then we actually prefer people to not take a roof rake to it with the snow and just leave the snow to shed on its own uh, because you don't want to damage the panels. You could actually, if you took like a plastic roof rake, you could you know cause some wiring failures. So uh, we prefer people to not do that if they're gonna do it anyway. Despite a recommendation, you just wrap it in something soft. So. They do have, uh, they're starting to come out with now some uh, like squeegees for solar panels. Like don't, uh, but put we've had, don't put the fork in the outlet, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, we, had, we had this one woman describing yeah. how she get. I mean, she was like 60 something years old, and she's describing how she climbs up and gets on the top of the ladder and puts one roof on the, and one you know, foot on the roof, and I'm like, don't even oh, tell me you're doing this. Yeah. I, whatever you're saving, you know, or you're generating more is still not worth your life. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's a fair point, too. So, um, uh, uh, Hand Motors is a flat roof, and when Jim Hand put panels up there, um, he kept track in the winter. He paid someone to clear off the panels, and he kept track of what he was making and what he was paying the guy. And he was paying the guy more than he was making in winter electricity. Right, because it, you know, getting up there was such a big job, and you're you're gaining very little production in the winter months, at least. So, you know, we're making the bulk of it in the summer, and um, and we plan for that. And what happens is we plan for how much you're going to produce during those summer months. So whatever you produce in August, the credits are good for 12 months. So whatever you produce in August, you have to use that by the following August. Uh, if, you, if it looks like you're not going to, you're going to have excess credits, then you can allocate those to another meter. But that's what, you know, you've got to keep track of, of what you're generating and where it's going. And, and if it looks like, you know, you, you're going to start to generate more than you use, then you can send them to the local historical society or the church or your neighbor. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you can sell them to another customer, um, but it's on you to you know make that transaction and collect. So, did you so, have a question? Um, yeah, is it efficient to use that as an alternative to having like a backup generator? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, would you have would one battery suffice, or would you need more? I, mean, I live in a pretty remote location, and on the last like when the power goes out, it could be a week. It could be like okay. a week before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. this is a solar generator. You know, so, so basically what will happen is uh, you'll have an essential loads panel just like you do with a generator. And what do you want to run when the power goes out? Your refrigerator, your well pump. Um, you know, and so you identify what you want to run. And then when the power goes out, it'll automatically kick those on. 
and, and we just size your battery, like how, how long do you want to run them for? The longer you want to run them for, the more batteries you're going to need, so the more expensive it'll get. Um, but um, what'll happen is, you know, if you, if you have it set up so it'll run for two days, and then the sun comes out two days later, well, the sun's going to recharge your battery. You know, so you can keep going like that. I mean, we do off-grid systems where, you know, there is no, you know, uh, what, what happens is um, you know, some people want to have a, a large battery system for their house. What you can do is you can, if you want to not have to do a huge battery bank, you can do a smaller one and have a generator as the, as the backup to the backup. So if the sun doesn't come out for five days, that generator can come on just to boost the batteries to run the house. Um, so there's an opportunity to, if you're, if you're doing a larger system, you could connect it with the battery. So, you, so again, with the programming, you're saying, you're telling it, you know, I want to run my house off the solar, and then I'm going to run off my battery. And if the battery gets to such a point where the solar ends up not recharging it, kick on the generator to, to boost it. Yeah, so then at that point, you're getting a smaller generator than you would have needed for like the whole backup. And it's got an automatic transfer switch, so you don't have to do anything. It just kicks in when it has to. Pretty great. So, downsides or things that are challenging? Um, downsides, I haven't found one. <laughs> um, one of the well, challenges, one of the biggest challenges, um, we would like to have everybody have access to this. Yes. Um, so, what we do is we send um, different credit unions that are starting to offer really good financing options um, because. You know, I mean, when, when my wife and I put this up, we were putting two daughters through college, and my wife said, there's no way that we're, we can afford $30,000 to put up solar panels. And I said, well, wait a second, what if I took our mortgage and our electric bill, and I refinanced the mortgage, and it ended up so that now the mortgage with our solar and no electric bill is less than the mortgage with the electric bill. I said, well, yeah, of course we do that. We refinanced it, took five years off our mortgage, and had less of a payment. So. To me, that makes perfect sense. There was a challenge to, to do that, you know, you gotta crunch the numbers and everything, but the numbers work, you know, and we're just about paid off with our system and we don't pay any electricity. Um, so so there, that, to me, is the biggest hurdle, is um, I would like everybody to have access to this. Yeah. Um, it's getting a little bit easier um, when we work with financial institutions. I don't wanna talk about any competition here, but the Vermont State Employees Credit Union has a really amazing, uh, income tax credit loan. So what they'll do is they, the the you got to put if your system is twenty thousand dollars. When you go to file your taxes next year, you're going to get back six thousand bucks. So your system only costs fourteen. Um, but you don't necessarily have that you know a six thousand dollar down payment. What you do is you finance the whole amount. They give you that first thirty percent interest free for fifteen months, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that you can go file your taxes next year. You get back the six thousand dollars. You pay that down. So basically, you've just financed your $6,000 down payment interest-free until you got your, your tax return. Mm -hmm. um, so they're starting to, you know, financial institutions are starting to understand the value of this, that, that what you're doing is you're financing an asset, you know, as opposed to a car that's worth half the price of the money you drive it off a lot. This actually increases in value. Yeah. So what happens is three years from now, I hate to give you the bad news, but you're probably going to be paying 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Well, now the value of your solar is worth 20 cents for every kilowatt hour it generates, you know, because as the price of the electricity goes up, so does the value of your solar. Uh, so I would say that, that the biggest challenge is, is accessibility to everybody. And then the other, one of the other challenges is um, not everybody has a, a, a good roof. That was going to be my next They have question. a slate roof, or it's, you know, my shop building is actually facing a little bit southeast. I'd rather it be like 20 degrees towards the west. <laughs> Um, so it could be, you know, if, if I turn the building a little bit more, you know, I'd get a better production. So not everybody has an amazing south-facing roof or a spot they can put it in their yard. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, there, there are opportunities for, for community solar. The state, for some reason, in their, in when they started changing all the siting and the permitting process, they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit in that they wanted to stop these huge arrays in, in prime agriculture. And the rules they put up also made a disincentive for community solar. So, so their legislature is working to, to fix that right now because some people rent. They don't, you know, they don't own the property. So, but you still have an electric bill. So, you, so with community solar, taxes, so. There's, there's a field full of panels out there. 
and you can purchase 10 panels or 20 panels or whatever it is that takes care of your section of your bill, and then they, they get allocated to your meter. So, so that helps um, as far as accessibility for people who don't have really good exposure. Yeah, and um, yeah, along with, so citing challenges, uh, Bill mentioned a couple, uh, but they include, so orientation, which way the building's facing. If, um, if we're looking at a rooftop, it's gonna be, what's the roofing material? So it's different materials, we have to use different attachments. Um, and some we will not attach at all, we'll instead put that ballast down so the system is weighted down. And then the structure has to be able to support that extra weight. Uh, so we do a structural engineering survey for commercial buildings, um, if it's like something the public is gonna be coming into. And um, you know, if there's a big chimney or you know, some stink pipes or you know, other obstructions, um, trees again, you know, uh, we love trees, it's Vermont, they're beautiful, and if it's right in front of your solar, it's gonna have to go, otherwise you're, you're losing money on that, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes your neighbors might have an objection to you removing a tree or something like that, so, you know, those, uh, we can help you navigate, um, and, there's also, there's a state permit, so you get a certificate of public good from the state. And in most towns, that is sufficient. Um, in some places, and for commercial properties, you are gonna need a building permit from your town as well. So we, we comply with all the fire codes, we comply with the building codes, and uh, generally, um, you know, it's just a matter of down the eyes and crossing the T's. They have, it has gotten a lot harder to do larger ground mounts. Mm -hmm. So right now, yes. uh, preferred location is up on your roof. Mm -hmm. um, if, if it's a ground mount that's gonna be on the property where more than 50% of the power is gonna be used, that's, that's preferable. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if you, if you wanna do a ground mount, so a 15 kilowatt ground mount will generate about $300 of electricity each month. Mm -hmm. So if your business needs, you know, like a veterinarian hospital, he wanted $900 worth a month. Um, so the current regulations, it will make it, it'll, it'll make it hard to put in 45 kilowatt. What, what happens is you have to, uh, local, you have to report it to the public service department, uh, all your neighbors, um, the select board, uh, agency natural resources, you know, it, it goes, Histor it gets into historical, big, uh, historical properties, ACCB and, um, and the, um, uh, agriculture food markets, as well as, um, it's a 85 day process. <laughs> so 85 days until they tell you whether or not you can do it. So, um, so those are really hard to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so, there are people doing it because they've right. got investors and, and it's worth it to, you know, to wait two years to get it done. But you're starting to see less and less of that. So do it on the roof if you can. <laughs> uh, or a parking lot. Um, Are there any warranty issues on the roof? Like, you know, when you're, you're attaching to the roof, I mean, is, like what about the, your roof structure? I mean, you're... I guess in some cases you're putting holes in your roof. So we are, uh, yeah. And we have, you know, uh, weatherproof flashing. So if it's a shingle roof, we're, we're going up underneath, you know, two layers, and then there's three layers of weatherproofing along the way. So, um, so it's not like we're just drilling a hole and, and you know, putting it in. Uh, the, the preferred roof is a, is a standing seam metal roof, because then we just clip on the seams. There's no penetration. Oh, okay. uh, so, so anytime that we're going to be penetrating, you know, we're, we're doing proper weather sealing and, and making sure that, cool. you know, yeah, weatherproofing is, is important. Okay. So just from a business perspective for the chamber and for our audience, you said you got into it six years ago. How's that been going and how, uh, what's one of the best things you found out about kind of running your own business and what's one of more maybe the challenges you found? So as far as running a business, um, I, I had, well, I was a furniture maker for 26 years. Uh, I had a pretty good reputation in the area. I was pretty well known, active in the community. Um, so it was a little bit easier to start this business mm -hmm. because everybody knew me. Um, and, and everyone knew that I was passionate about this. You know, I'm doing this to save the planet. Um, so, so I come by it honestly and, and people appreciate that. And they also know that, you know, that, I mean, the furniture that I made was, was had some real 
like meticulous details yeah. on it, so they yeah. know that I that I care about details. Um, so so I think that was easier than than originally when I started my furniture making business. Um, what I like about this is that um, people really appreciate that you're helping them out. I mean, we're doing we're doing a project in Puerto Rico right now. And, and I mean, they just come over and, and thank you profusely. Well, they do it in Rupert too, and they do it in Shaftesbury. You know, I mean, what we're doing is we're helping people also care about the planet, and they care about their electric bill. You know, you can come at this a number of different ways. I mean, we we have people who just want a, a good return on their investment. You know, well, you know, 13% is, is pretty good. You know, and you get the you know, these other benefits. Um, so so people can come at it just from that way. Um, I we I did it for this woman who's 92 years old. And she said, I will never see this thing pay, off, pay for itself, <laughs> but I know it's the right thing to do, so I have to do it. You know, so, so everyone's going to do it for a different reason. You know, that's why we try and show people, I mean, especially for businesses, for your bottom line. I mean, I personally feel if, you're, if you have a business in Vermont and you don't have solar, you're losing money. Yeah. You know, because of the incentives that are there and, and your electric costs are going up. You know, this way you can actually, like Danielle said, you're pre-buying your electricity, yeah. uh, and then you're and done. You you're know. paying rent when you could own your electricity. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I it's a I enjoyed the transition to this business. I have so many people who who ask me because I held on to most of my furniture making equipment for a couple years, and then it was just in the way. And then, and I mean, I literally have sold everything now. And I have people bump into me all the time and say, "Do you miss it?" I'm like. Are you kidding? I am so busy. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, so yeah. and I have something to add too because for me the best part of it is that you know we're local, so we live in the community where we work, and um, you know all of our crew are young people who want to live here and have families here, and. Um, so the great thing about that is, you know, everyone wants to do buy local campaigns for their food, you know, and for for local retail, and that's awesome. And so you're shopping local for your energy yeah. providers, right. you know. So. And 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 when you're financing it through your local credit union, you know, you're really putting money back into the community. And you yeah. can read about it in your local newspaper. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. And you can think about it later. <laughs> when you're having money, when you have fish and chips, right? <laughs> what did yeah. you say? I said he could think about it while he's eating fish well, and chips. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm trying to wrap everybody. Plug everyone in the room, shamelessly. Great. Any other questions? Uh, we're right about at time. So what I'll about my respectful. homeowner's insurance? Is there any negative? Yeah. No. So you, no. we have you talked to your insurance company? Let them know. But it's basically like having another window on your house. You know, yeah. if if, uh, if someone's mowing the lawn and, and they throw a rock through your window, you got to file, you know, the way you normally would. But the structural same thing. effects on it does is no. not an issue. No, uh, and the same thing so far with appraisals um, that I, we haven't seen anyone's taxes go up yet. Good um, Lord, don't for for commercial, <laughs> for commercial, they they have started to institute a solar tax uh, for businesses, and it's a based on. Uh, but of course they <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to come up with other ways to get it. Yeah. Um, but for residences, there's no, no change, and we haven't seen anybody's uh, property taxes go up because they have solar. Mm -hmm. So far. I mean, yeah. if, it, if it increases the value of your house when you go to sell it, well, then it increases, you know, then your taxes will go up because of the value of it, but they're not, they're not tacking on and saying, you know, you've got, you know, well, yeah, you got the solar panels, so we're going to tack mm -hmm. on more. Um, I'm interested to see if appraisers catch on and, and make any changes with that. Yeah, so, so far, so good. But homeowners insurance, it's just like a skylight added to your house. Okay. And we hate skylights. We hate them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. One panel for you. Skylights are in the way. They got memes <laughs> of, of skylights all over their <laughs> office. Exactly. <Do> you? <laughs> mean faces. <too>. <laughs> 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 Whoever invented skylights. Yeah. I mean, I get it. All right. <laughs> the sun, <Great>. but. <laughs> yeah. Any other right. questions? Great. Well, we'll wrap right. up. Thank you, Bill. Thank, Thank you so much. So much. Yeah, and Thank I you. signed in.